Hello and welcome. My name is Taylor DeSormo. I am the sports editor at Central Michigan Life here with Andrew Serma. Serma, how are you doing today? Doing great. Doing good, so before, as always. Before we get into it, uh, I just have to congratulate my buddy Andrew here. Uh, today he was um, chosen as the summer editor-in-chief here at Central Michigan Life. So anything you read this summer that's wrong, just just <laughs> send a message right to Serma because he's going to be the one responsible for uh, it. Thank but, you, Taylor. I but appreciate I'll, it. All serious, just know I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to produce this summer. I think there's going to be some good stuff. There's already lots of reporters that are excited about covering some things here in town over the summer and f- wrapping up this uh, spring sports season because baseball doesn't end when the gra- everyone graduates. So Yeah, everyone's going to be home and baseball. Baseball's still going to be going. Get some track, a little bit of softball. Track, softball, uh, golf's got MAC championships coming up this weekend. Uh, yep, they do. So so while you're at home watching Netflix and doing a boring job, we encourage you to <laughs> check up still on CM Life um, as Sermon is going to be updating you on everything that's going on. Um, but speaking of things that are going on, we have a spring football game last Saturday. Um, the gold team won 21-7, to but that mm. really doesn't mean anything at all. Um, but... It was an interesting game. It was really only about an hour, 15, uh, an hour and 15 minutes that short. we got to see. Um, Sermo, I guess what are maybe three of your key takeaways from that game? I think you wrote a story about that, didn't you? Yeah. Now, first thing, um, I expected to see Cooper Rush, and I expected to see Romello Ross. I expected to see a little bit more of the guys I expect to see in, during the season. Mm. Um, obviously, I know why. Bono, Tony and East didn't play either. Tony, yep. Tony and East. I obviously know why Bono doesn't want to risk that. Mm-hmm. I know Cooper Rush had uh, a tight back throughout the week, and mm-hmm. you know it's a spring game. But there's also an interest factor there, I think. And um, you know, Taylor, was your interest uh, captured at the game? I, I really wish Cooper would have thrown. We we have one photo of Cooper Rush throwing a ball. And uh, it wasn't a standard football. It was a Nerf ball. He was throwing to a kid before the game. Kids clinic. Um, during the kids' clinic. Um, yeah, I wish I'd have seen at least one drive of Cooper. I yeah. think I was telling Sermer at the end, um, I think the Maroon team was down like 14 nothing or 21-7. to I'm like, you know what I want to see? I want to see Cooper come out there with this running clock and just torch this defense. <laughs> and, and it's kind of like in Madden when you're playing a, a game and maybe right. you're losing by a ton with like three minutes to go. And you say, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to set this on easy and see if I can catch up hey, in the not? final three minutes and, and throw bombs to Calvin Johnson or, or whatever the situation is. I kind of wanted to see Cooper just go out there at least for one drive and, and kind of show like, hey, don't forget, I'm really good. Um, right. But we didn't really get to see that, unfortunately. Right. Um, so I was a little disappointed with that. We had a quarterback battle for pro- probably the second spot. But even that, I think, was a little bit lackluster because two more mm-hmm. quarterbacks are coming in in the fall, and probably the leader to take over that spot is maybe one of those two. Who are you thinking? Uh, Poljan? Poljan could be. I think he's going to redshirt this year, but okay. I think he probably has the best chance to be CMU's guy when Cooper leaves. Right. So the two guys we saw on Saturday were Jake Johnson, who's going to be a redshirt freshman this year, and Tommy Lazaro, who will be a sophomore this year, who transferred from Dodge City Community College? Dodge City Community College, where he won a conference championship at. Okay, so I think the obvious choice for more impressive on Saturday was Jake Johnson. He was 10 for 13, 120 yards and two touchdowns. Lazaro was 5 for 15, 77 yards and one touchdown. And honestly, that those stats are a little inflated for Lazaro as he had a 55-yard touchdown at the end of the game. Um, so without that, he'd had 22 yards and no touchdowns and right. four completions. So. I don't know. I mean, Lazaro really just got into the system this spring, right. and I think that both of them said that really had to give the edge to Johnson. Um, 
But I don't think either of them were particularly impressive. No, we're lucky that this we're talking about a second string quarterback competition, yeah. and not a, this is a, this isn't a first string one. I'd be but really concerned if that. Yeah, it would be, case, it'd be yeah. concerning. But the one thing that both of them impressed me on was both of their touchdown um, Johnson's, both of Johnson's touchdowns and Lazaro's touchdowns were both really nice long balls. The, mm-hmm. Both their long balls impressed me. They didn't go downfield all too much uh, during the game. But when they did, I, I was really impressed with the long balls. What also impressed me, though, about Johnson was once – this is a competition. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnson scores his first touchdown. Lazaro scores one later towards the end of the game. Johnson comes back in and responds right away with an, yep. another another touchdown, a nice deep ball. It was a, a flag route, which he laid in perfectly, right at almost pretty close to the, to mm-hmm. the, uh, the corner front pylon of the end zone. Yep. That impressed me. Um, Both of them finished the game with the touchdown, so that's kind of cool for them. Yeah, that was cool. Um what would I want to see this season in that second position? Someone that can come in, they know the offense back and forth. They might not have the athletic ability that Rush does, but they know the offense. They can mm-hmm. come in, and, and there won't be any change of, uh, of you know, they have to dumb down the offense for any mm-hmm. second stringer. I think it's important that they're able to come in knowing the offense. Granted, their ability might not be able to, you know, supplement be quite where Cooper rushes at. That's mm-hmm. hard. That's hard to do. And with Cooper too, obviously we'd have liked to seen him out there. But with him on the sidelines and these two guys actually playing in front of the three thousand people at uh, sorry Kelly Short right. Stadium, it's got to be helpful for them just to be able to say, yes, I've kind of played in somewhat of a an area where um, where people are watching and it right. actually means something and right. taking these first team snaps. Now, I look at the other positions too. Wide receivers was pretty much all. A lot of redshirt freshmen, so the leaders yep. were Jamil Sabah, who had three catches, 45 yards, and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Brandon Childers, one catch for the 35-yard touchdown, and Damien Terry with a 55-yard uh, touchdown. All redshirt freshmen coming into this year. Um, we also saw a little bit of Austin Stewart. He caught one catch on a curl route, yep. nine yards. I, I thought that was fairly impressive. I think it was the only ball thrown his way. I th- yeah, I believe so. I thought he'd, he'd had a drop, but that was actually to uh, a, a tight end. So Okay. And Jesse Kroll had one catch for 11 yards. So there really wasn't a whole lot of um, – I mean, with only an hour and 15-minute game, the Stuff. stats are going to be small. I was impressed by Jamil, um, Dearborn Fortson native. Yeah, that's yeah, why. Dearborn Fortson alumnus. Why. But, uh, no, I, I, I saw him in high school, and I've seen his progression. He's gotten bigger. Um, I didn't think that he was quite fast enough coming out of high school. Seems to have gotten faster with that redshirt year that he used. Um, he looked really good. He was obviously stat-wise the leading receiver on the day. Mm-hmm. Johnson was saying how him and uh, Jamil and also uh, Childress have um, really formed a, a bond. Those freshmen have formed a bond um, and really good connection. But he was someone, Jamil was someone that really looked like they can come out and contribute this year. Really, right. su- you know, in a slot position, can help Jesse Kroll out. Um, Jesse Kroll is going to be the number one, obviously. Mm-hmm. He, he's the go-to. But who who's your number two? Well, we barely saw anything of Anthony Rice. He'll yep. he'll be out there though for sure. And then yeah. also uh, Mark Chapman. We didn't really see anything from him either. He's yeah. a guy that can kind of do some reverse routes and different things, running the ball even as well as as catching the ball. Yeah. He's really speedy in space. Um, At, uh, Berkeley Edwards too, who has to sit out, but. Um, the Berkeley's a running back, and we actually saw him a little bit on Saturday, too. He had four carries for seven yards, but his brother, Bailey, um, is going to be a wide receiver who's most mm-hmm. likely going to redshirt this year. Right. Um, yeah, I, I didn't, we didn't really see a whole lot of the first-teamers for anything. No. Jaire Hayes was really the only guy that we saw consistently. He's one of the three running backs that are in competition for the top spot. He had six carries, 31 yards, and a touchdown, yeah. which doesn't look too bad, but when you think about it, he got... 
25 yards and a touchdown on one play. Yeah, he's, So the other five carries, he got five yards, he six looks, yards. He looks big. He looked good. He's um, guy, yeah. He didn't impress me in, in any way, but that's not to not speak. Not even that 25-yard touchdown? That's not to speak down to him, but he was, didn't stand out to me okay. necessarily. I, like I said, I, I wanted to see where Romello was compared to Ja Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to see a little competition. Um, now this, I don't want to, I always bring it back to Michigan. Here we go. But when I went to Michigan spring game, there was competition going in with the competition. People mm-hmm. were, were guarding for spots. They were fighting for spots. They had starting quarterbacks in there getting tackled. There was, it was a game. Mm-hmm. There were fans there. It was exciting. Um, do you know how many were there? Uh, not off the top of my head, but... Quarter that, full, half full? I want to say about three-fourths really? full. It, it was a, a So that's really at least 50,000, 60,000. Yeah, they had a good day uh, for it, too. But Saturday was a beautiful day, and it was, mm-hmm. it was a great day, I think. I think a lot of good student turnout. For CMU or for Michigan? For, for CMU. Yeah, um, 3,000 people there. Yeah, 3,000 people there. It was The students were there. Everyone seemed to have fun. But to really continue to build this spring game... Take it somewhere. Yeah, I'd go all out with it. I'd put my starters in there for at least one drive. Mm-hmm. It's one. A, it's like a preseason game. Even even like the NFL, they usually have the starters play at least a couple plays in, yeah. in all the games. Um, I think about. Um, I don't know what Michigan did, but I know CMU had 12-minute clocks instead of 15, and then in the second half, it was a running clock, and that really sped it up. Oh, Basically, yeah. the second half was 24 minutes long. Yeah. No, It was like soccer. The clock keeps going after touchdowns, right. after incomplete passes. Like I don't even know timeouts. Was there? Did they even have that? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see anything. That second half went by so fast, and I think some of the players mentioned, too. I think Lazaro was saying, mm-hmm. ah, you know, I was kind of – Settling in right when uh, that second half yeah. went by so fast, it was like, okay, it's gone already. It was weird. We were at the stadium longer before the game <laughs> yeah. than we were at the stadium during the game because yeah. it was so short. I mean, there's always a concern with getting injured in these spring games, but, I mean, obviously you have a couple months until the game starts. Right. Personally for me, um, as, a, as a football fan, I want to see these teams play these games in spring and have it. They actually care about it. Like, yeah. I want... Maybe there to be some bragging rights on the line or something, something on the line. Maybe even what if they had the juniors and seniors versus the freshmen and sophomores? And <sighs> the might, freshmen and sophomores would get up for that game. Um, they would be ready. Um, what, what Harbaugh does is the not, like I said, not to bring it all back to Harbaugh, but the winners get a steak dinner. Really, um, the losers get. I just want to say a pasta dinner. That can't be compliant. I, I want. <laughs> good question. I want to say I read that somewhere though. Yeah. That uh, one team gets steak, the other team gets noodles. Um, so that that's kind of That'd the competitiveness, kind of cool. but just little things. I I think that uh, the fans will kind of uh, you know just to see Coop, to see the guys, to see a little more competition. Hell, make it a night game. Yeah, that'd be kind Imagine of cool. That. But um, continuing about what I saw in the game that that we watched on Saturday, mm-hmm. the defense, the defense looks good again. You were impressed by that, weren't you? I was impressed with the defense. They were split up, and they they I mean. They were good still. They only let up 28 points. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of combined. that was in the very end. Yeah, most of that came in at the, the very end. And like I said, they were split up. There was no uh, Tony Anise. Um, but Joe Osman looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, when he, He's going to be without Blake Sir. But there were things that I was able to see from the defense that uh, I was really interested in. They've been the number one defense in the MAC for the past, what, two years? Two years, yep. Two years. Uh, Joe Osman says after the, the, the game, he says um, – we want to be the number one defense in the, in the country, right? Yeah. Number one defense in the country. Of course, everyone wants that, but he was pretty confident. Like, all right, that's the goal that I we are going for. Statistically, they could be top 10, uh, top 20 in, in some statistical categories. Be something. They're, they're, they're pretty impressive, but uh, I was impressed with them. Granted, they had two basically rookie quarterbacks thrown against them. They mm-hmm. had, um, you know, but I was impressed. Yeah, I thought they did a solid job. I think it's encouraging for the CMU team going into this year. 
Um, a little bit more about the spring atmosphere. I, I think that's an interesting conversation because even some of these games are on TV. You see Alabama like on ESPN yeah, and whatnot. I think towed it up at this time of year. Baseball starting. We're get, kind of getting into that, but it's still it's still not quite like baseball season. Like it, it's April, so it's a little cold still. People are it's, missing. It's, it's tweener season. Yeah, people are missing football at this point. We've had enough time Itching. since the Super Bowl to be like. Oh man, uh, there's no football going not on. What do like, I do? It's warm outside, but so if you can just give people this little extra bonus, hey, we're gonna do some right. football. I think you could probably fill Kelly's shorts pretty well, yeah. And maybe not all the way, but maybe this the same level as a regular game. If you're like, all right, let's let's put on a game. Let's even let's face off against Saginaw Valley or something. Wow. Let's let's. I don't, I don't have they ever. Has college ever done that where they've done uh, preseason scrimmages? I don't know if that's allowed or not, but that would be Something pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, as long as you have both sides understand, like, hey, we're not out here to get each other hurt. We're out here just to get, get better. Some work. It's like I, when I the Tigers I, play teams Florida Atlantic in yeah. the spring training. It's like, all right, let's just do something, get people out here, um, an event that hit, hit some different bodies. Let's get at least a two-hour game going because yeah. an hour and 20 minutes is not enough to – to fill people's football appetite for the whole rest of the spring, I don't think. Yeah. Well, it was your last time covering a CMU sport football event. It was, yeah. It was your last time. What were your thoughts with that, your, your sign-off? Well, it was interesting. It went really fast. I was writing the game story and trying right. to get it out as the game ended, and it was really difficult with that no running clock. I forgot how slow football games normally can be with all the ends of the final two minutes with the timeouts and the yeah. out-of-bounds, stopping the clock and all that. Like. It didn't seem like a normal game because it wasn't a normal game. But it was kind of cool to be out there to talk to Bono, um, just to see everybody kind of rallying the troops a little bit, um, seeing like, all right, here's what we got. Let's yeah. see what, what we can do. I really liked the end when everyone was on the field. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Dave Hickey was out there. Everyone was out there just kind of talking to each other, saying hello, basically mm-hmm. coming out from their winter caves mm-hmm. and greeting each other again. Big On know, hibernation. We're, yeah. We're getting yeah. out of that. The yeah. big CMU football community was all on, on the field. We were out there asking questions. It was just a really kind of cool scene. But I, like mm-hmm. we talked about, I wish the game was a little bit uh, more interesting. I'm pretty sure it was free for everyone, too. Yeah, free for which everybody. Which is kind of cool. And then there's the kids' clinic beforehand, which was also free, I believe. I think it was free. Yes. But there was uh, all kinds of kids on the field. They were messing around. They were da- uh, dancing, doing the, the dancing. dab. The yeah. Nay-nay. I heard there was some rough dance moves down there from one of our photographers. But I yeah. thought it was kind of cool looking. They were they got to go tour the locker room. It was really a neat event for these these children. It and, builds the culture of CMU football. Yeah, and I think let's, let's get all these concession stands open. Let's really get people mm-hmm. out here. Let's put on a good show. And I think the spring game can really be something that's a, a pretty unique um, atmosphere. Absolutely. Um, I, I think Bonamago has the right idea. And I think mm-hmm. I haven't talked to him about it, but I, I feel like I'm getting the sense that that's something he wants to do is continue to build uh, how important the fans view the spring game. Mm-hmm. Um, now, like I said, I understand that he's not going to play people because they're hurt. Yeah, but they could play 150 football games a year, and people would probably show up or at least watch. Hopefully, I don't know. I mean, it, as long as it's nice out in, in Kelly Shore and yeah. Mount Pleasant, people will come. People love football. When the weather gets, it's it's obvious. When the weather gets crappy, mm-hmm. people don't really love it's tough. football sometimes. So you said a little bit earlier, everything goes back to Jim Harbaugh. A lot of things do in my life. And uh, when when thinking about Jim Harbaugh, one thing that comes to mind in recent news is satellite camps. Give me a break. Um, so do you want to explain a little bit, Sermon, what these satellite camps are? I know that's a kind of a buzzword in college football lately. Yeah. What, what are they for, for the fans that may not know? So to my understanding, which I've been to, to satellite camps, what happens is 
the coach wants to go recruit a certain area. So for mm-hmm. me, uh, the University of Toledo, fellow obviously fellow mag school, okay. came up to Wyandotte, Michigan, and held a camp that was put on by Wyandotte High School okay. with the University of Toledo staff, uh, coaching staff there, but also some some Alma College, some Division Three, some other okay. Division Twos. Um, it kind of put you know a massive coaching clinic that came to an off-campus site of whatever respective universities they're from to have all kinds of recruits and scouts from all over the area come and just show these coaches of all these different colleges what they can do. Um, Harbaugh had this. He did his uh, his summer tour camp or whatever he did where he went all around the country yeah, when he first got hired. state, nine yeah. camp tour. Yeah, some crazy name through tour. Through Florida and through California. He was everywhere. Picked up a good um, couple of recruits, and then he did his uh, spring practice. He did took his team, the Mid-University of Michigan, down to IMG Academy in Florida. And... Um, Plantation or Brandon's in Florida. I can't remember. But down to Florida where they had their spring practice and then they came back up. All that is no longer... Well, that part is actually not really part of this whole deal. A lot of people are mad about what Harbaugh did with the IMG and going to practice there. So so he could still do that? I'm not sure if that's the case, but I know that that doesn't really have much to do with the satellite ban rule. So technically no college coach is allowed to coach or have a clinic off of a, a certain radius of their, of their respective campus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's something um, that the SEC and ACC really pushed. Yeah, they um, did. People think, like, all right, there's all these good prospects in Florida and, and Georgia and these states, and that's why Michigan's going to grab, and that's why these states are mad. And a lot of the retort has been, well, these SEC and ACC schools can go to Michigan and steal recruits too. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. If you look in the SEC and ACC um Part of their rules as a conference is while the entire NCAA, you're not allowed to host camps outside of a 50-mile radius of your school, you're welcome to be a guest at those camps. So, right. like, Coach Bonamigo can go to Michigan's camp mm-hmm. and uh, or any of the CMU coaches can go there or go to any of these camps across the country and um, get recruits or they could host at high schools like you're talking about with Wyandotte. Right. But the SEC and ACC, they don't allow their schools to go outside of that 50-mile um, range at all. Okay. Which is interesting because is. let's say there's somebody in central Alabama or part of Alabama and um, and Auburn is trying to scout them. But if they're past 50 miles, they're, they're not able to even go there right. where Jim Harbaugh can drive all the way down from right. Ann Arbor and do it. So you can kind of see some of their frustration. But instead of changing their rule, they go and protest this NCAA rule. And it ends up um, the Big Ten was the only um, Power Five conference that voted against this ban. Um, did, did the MAC? Oh, and the MAC, yeah, and the MAC was also one of the, the conferences power that five. was against this satellite camp ban, but it ended up um, that the ban went into effect. And now people think it's kind of over, but there's actually still a little bit more in this process. Um, so April 28th, the NCAA Board of Directors is going to vote, um, or they're going to be able to maybe kind of repeal this or disapprove mm-hmm. it or something. They don't have to approve it. Um, so there's a chance that this satellite camp ban doesn't go into place. Um, but... Talking to Coach Bonamigo on last Tuesday. I loved his quote. Yeah. He, uh, I forget exactly what word for word he the said. The NCAA used a shotgun instead of a fly swatter, something to along those lines. To deal with this issue, yeah. To deal with this issue. And he was he was pretty pissed about it. Like, I'm not going to just say he was upset about it. He was very mad. Was he? He was, like, we came up to him, and the first thing he said, before even mentioning about Malik Fountain or any of the issues okay. or the spring game or anything like that, he came and just 
started going off on this really? satellite camp ban. Well, it, it hurts the Mid-American Conference schools. Like I said, Toledo was, I mean, that was, a, they had kids coming from all around the Detroit area, mm-hmm. which yeah. is a hotbed. Something Urban Meyer said, the Ohio State coach, he said that all 12 Mac schools have been to his camps yes. to grab players. And even what Bonamigo said is that a lot of these high school recruits think that they're hot stuff, essentially. Yeah, they do. He didn't say that word for word, but he said that a lot of them go to these Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State camps um, and they think that they, um, they're going to be recruited by these schools, right. and these schools can't take everybody. They, mm-hmm. There's just not room for more than whatever it was, 100 or so um, 85 scholarships. players. Yeah, so at that point, that's when it's really good to have, like, oh, okay, I can't go to Michigan State, but, oh, look, here's Coach Bonamigo. Right. Maybe I could talk to him and, I made and start this, I made there. this connection at the, the mm-hmm. Michigan camp in Ann Arbor. Yeah. Luckily, Bono was there. P.J. Fleck was there. Um, Harbaugh filled up his recruiting class in uh, two seconds and mm-hmm. didn't tell me about it. So yeah. now I have to scramble to get a place. Oh, I have these great connections with PJ Fleck, with Bonamago. Um, that mm-hmm. stuff that. But also, I think you brought up in your point is that and uh, Steinbrecher, the um, the Matt commissioner, Matt yep. commissioner brought this up. Was it ultimately it just hurts the recruits? And it, I, it really you know, hurts them the most. Yeah. Detroit cast technical wide receiver number one recruit wide receiver recruit in the. Uh, the country, Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's a senior in high school this year, um, the, from Detroit Cast Technical, says, look, I'm I'm well off, but I have friends that otherwise would not be able to get any exposure, mm-hmm. get out there, get their names out there, if it weren't for these camps like Sound Mind, Sound Body, which is one of the best recruiting, you know, it's a hotbed. And also it, it, it builds the culture of the sport of football. When you have, you know, football minds like Harbaugh and mm-hmm. Art Brillis and all, you know, all these coaches coming together and collaborating to to work on coaching best practices, mm-hmm. really. It's more of an art form than just a, a recruiting, you know. And before you could have go to a camp as a prospect and see maybe have 10 schools look at you. Right. Now you can go and pretty much have one. Right. Um, so it, basically I, the same way to get your name out in front of all these camps or all these coaches, obviously they're going to have to push different ways, but you'd have to go to 10 different camps. And who, who can afford to do yeah. that? Go and in the summer and scheduling. And, and Bonamigo said one, one of the camps that CMU has, for example, is in Pawpaw, um, which is actually I think where Bonamigo is from on the west side of the it state. Is. And um, so he said that's really good for getting um, kids from the Chicago area because right. they only have to drive an hour or two to this camp and be seen by multiple coaches AK- instead of driving five hours to CMU. Malik Fountain. Yeah. Chicago area. Kids. And there, there's a lot of others, too. I mean, Titus Davis kids. was from Titus the Chicago David. area. And you know who else is from uh, the, the west side of the state that probably wouldn't have been come to CMU if it weren't for these satellite camps? John Bonamigo himself. John Bonamigo himself. He said in, when he was in high school, he went to this pawpaw camp, um, and he didn't know where he was going to go. And for the first time, he met a, a guy named Denny LaFleur. And um, that's, he was a, a coach at CMU for a long time. Um, and that's how we got connected with CMU and ended up loving it here, and, and now he's the head coach here. Just imagine if that satellite camp ban would have been in effect then. He might not have gone, he might not have been able to play football anywhere. He might not have connected with CMU, and who right. knows who would be coaching at Central Michigan today. Yeah, I, I think that this hurts. Obviously, we said the American Conference, we said the athletes. hurts the sport of football and the culture of football and the quality of culture, the equal opportunity of football. Now, because I'm, uh, I'm well off, I can go to the CMU camp mm-hmm. the next weekend. My parents can drive me over to the Western Michigan camp and yeah. then back up to uh, whatever it may be. Um, there are a lot of kids that can't afford that. Those are expensive trips. The camps themselves cost money. Yeah, it's not it's, it's not really fair. 
it's not fair all, all across the board. And, and uh, Matt Commissioner John Steinbrecher, he was also very unhappy with this change. He said that they they went into this these meetings with a plan, and some people kind of some of the conferences kind of wavered from what they were kind of really? said they were going to do. And I've even seen stories about how these individuals kind of said one thing, even though their conference was like, "No, we were going to say this. We were going to vote this way." So there's a lot of hubbub going on right now. I really have liked been a thing. fly on the wall in a lot of those meetings yeah. to see how it really went down. Definitely. And a quote here from Steinbrecher, and he said, What's occurred with this rule is someone's built a wall geographically. They're saying, We want to wall you off and make it tougher for you to see any of the kids down here. And that's the SEC and the ACC. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the, the southeast and the southeastern portion of the United States is such a hotbed, whether it's mm. Florida, whether it's Georgia, Louisiana. Mm. Um, He's like, it, These are our kids. We want them. Really? And, you know, let's be fair, let's be honest. The Northern Conferences, the MAC, the Big Ten, are at an extreme weather disadvantage. We can't; mm-hmm. Our weather isn't attractive. We have to find alternative ways to go out and, and appeal to these kids that grew up in Florida and find a way to say, hey, it's not so bad up here. It's not all an, an ice storm. Mm-hmm. It's nice half the, half the time of the year. If you want to come up and, and uh, do a camp up here, or you know, we'll come to you so we can show ourselves to you. So that way we can be our selling point. Mm-hmm. You, know, you won't just get sold on the fact that, it, oh, it's nice and warm down here, so whatever, whatever it may be. Here's my solution. I'll, I'll ask you yeah, for yours in a second. So obviously um, obviously we agree that this is really goes against what the prospects. Um, it's bad for them. It's bad for, for um, high school football in general. Um, what I think, I think the NCAA should not approve this um, in uh, April 28th, but I think it should go a step further as well. Um, I, I understand the SEC and the ACC's point right now. It's not really fair for them. They're not allowed to be guests at these satellite camps. Why should other schools? Right. I, I, there must be something that makes it a little more difficult, but I think it should be simply put, all right, ban those rules you got right now, SEC and ACC. Allow them to be guests at these satellite camps as well. They can come to Ann Arbor. They can come to Wyandotte and watch Andrew Serma. Um, 2012, Andrew Serma. Could have went to Bama. LSU, Bama. So, yeah, I why not? Why not let these coaches go to these different camps? It's, it is a little bit out of their pocket um, as well. But honestly, if we're, if we're really trying to do what's best for these recruits, we need to make it make a way where they don't have to, um, or economic dif- differences make a difference mm-hmm. in where they go. I think that's unfair. And even, I'm not sure how much these camps cost, honestly, but um, that's one issue even playing football. Like, oh, your mom and dad have to pay for pads. They have to pay for all these different things when you're young. Um as much as we can do to make it fair for people at all um, economic levels, I think is the the better football is going to be. Mm-hmm. Better for the sport. We'll have athletes who might not have had the opportunity um, break out. Think about if uh, you're a science professor or what, you know what, an academic professor, okay. and uh, your conference, your university said you cannot go collaborate unless you collaborate with some with people here, mm-hmm. um, but. Those people also can't come collaborate here. Mm-hmm. Well, how are you going to help each other out? You know, if you're a professor, how are you going to learn the best practices, how to uh, coach more efficiently, how to relate to kids you know, at a, a more personal level? Mm-hmm. Um, the coaches are going to suffer as well. It, it goes into the whole question of recruiting and how, why are we barring people from talking to other people, and then all of a sudden there's a whole different uh, debate there with, as I, yeah. with uh, like, well, why can't coaches talk to recruits at any time? It's like, well, they'd be pestering them. So right. there's really a whole debate. Um, recruiting is a really interesting it's, a- issue, it though. It is. It's touchy almost. Yeah, and I think um, if you actually look at it, check it out, 
check out our newspaper, Central yes, Michigan do. Life. We have a whole recruiting section on this, section. this today, uh, Monday. Um, there's some stuff on the lacrosse team. It's really interesting. Almost the major the majority of their team is from outside of the state of Michigan. One from Canada. Uh, yeah, one from Canada. Their brand new team is their first year. Um, new first year head coach. Then you look at softball with Margot Yonker, who's been here at, at least 25, 30 years. 20, I think it is twenty eight years. Yeah, her name's on the stadium. It, it is, and almost the entire roster is from Michigan, except for maybe three. I think what two from Arizona. Yeah, like and, and one from California. One from it's California. really interesting to see those differences and um, how Margot has built up this culture in Michigan. Like, hey, yeah. you want to go to CMU to play some softball, That's whereas right. whereas. Um, Sarah Tisdale for lacrosse, like, okay, we don't really have that culture yet. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to use some of the other connections across the country to build up um, our team and just find players wherever it is, whether it's in California or it's Mm -hmm. in Canada. So it's a really interesting story, a couple pair of stories. And also we have one on men's basketball recruiting. I love that story. It's a good story. So um, we talk about who spent the most out of the 12 MAG teams on recruiting in the Mm -hmm. 2014-15 season. Number one, Buffalo. They won the Bobby past two Hurley. MAC championships. Interesting. Interesting. And it's actually by a wide margin. They lead by really? a lot. Um, number two, Central Michigan. Very interested in they've that. Been, they've been pretty good the last couple of years. And, and Austin Deneen, who wrote the story, actually made an interesting point. They spent $98,000 or so last year in recruiting, and they brought in a total of one recruit. <laughs> that is ridiculous. That's, I don't now, know. Now, they only had space for one, so you, you can't blame them for that. Um, and it wasn't even like it was a, a five-star recruit or anything like that. I mean, he played a little bit this year, but um, it's who, very interesting. Who was the recruit? Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Um, yeah. He he played a little bit. He's a good three-point shooter. Uh, Where's he from? He is from, I, think, I believe he's from Michigan as well. Yeah, I'm going to bring up what? the roster right now. Um, but it's crazy. To th- I think they also, you have to think about it too, they're not recruiting for just this year. Right. But they're recruiting for future years. 2018. Yeah, there's like stuff, you know, even online you can see like, hey, this guy committed and he's only a sophomore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, looking at the, at the roster, um, the one guy they brought it, there's all, multiple freshmen, but the only guy on scholarship is um, Corey Redman. Okay. The uh, 6'6 freshman from Boyne City, Michigan. Okay. So he played a little bit this year, shot some three-pointers. Um, but definitely check out that story as well in CM Life. Um, no interested to see how um, CMU spends their money for recruiting, how they kind of game plan. And actually, mm-hmm. the three Michigan schools is the ones that he focuses on this story. That's where recruits come the furthest to go to. And it's almost like Michigan being isolated on the peninsula that we are on right. almost kind of hinders um, CMU because they have to go further to find these recruits and, right. and whatnot. There's not this hotbed of activity in north, south, east, and west of you. Yeah, I mean, Eastern has a pretty nice little location being right next to Detroit. Hmm. But then you lose all the players in Michigan and Michigan and, State and, being there, right. too. And then you got to get picked over by everyone that, that picks up Detroit. That's um, true. Western has the West Coast. has Grand Rapids. Yep. Um, has all, all been on the West Coast. And their coach has actually been there since 2000, so he's really been right. um, good um, at kind of St- picking Steve up Hawkins. players yeah, from the West side of the state. Um, um, it helps to have that, too. CMU's way up here. We're the northernmost uh, Mid-American Conference school. That's why it's, it's always freaking cold here. It's freaking cold, man. But it, you know, not today. But it, we because of our geographic location, we are put at certain disadvantages, whether it be weather or whether it be logistical traveling. Yeah, you know, things are a little bit more expensive for us because we have to go the extra the extra mile. Going back to football too, you think about those having those satellite camps. There's a lot more people close to, within 50 miles That's of right. Eastern Michigan than there than is there of, are uh, Central Michigan. Central well, who are you going to recruit? You got like Shepard and I mean Ithaca's pretty good, but then, Ithaca, but then I mean there's really not a whole lot around Ithaca's here. Ithaca's Division Six. Yeah, Division Five. I'm sorry, they're really really good in that division, but 
and a lot of good athletes come from there. But I mean, if you're at Eastern, I think you're within 50 miles of Detroit. Yeah, and there's you're, like you're right in more schools in Detroit. Straight than there shot are down ninety four. So it's really interesting. This whole recruiting stuff. Check out the newspaper today. There's some interesting things. Also on cm-life.com, um, everything's up there as well. We got a cool map graphic of comparing the lacrosse and softball we players, do. where they're coming from, and stuff like that. So I definitely encourage you to check that out. Um, Sir, is there anything else you wanted to add? Um, chippies. If you haven't heard, me and Taylor basically got every single pick correct between the two of us. Mm. So. <laughs> Kind of. We got a few. So right. we got a few right. Women's basketball did right. really well. They won six of the thirteen awards, and two of them go to an assistant or a professor and a fan. So yeah. really, six of eleven. Yeah. Um, John Bonamigo, I love you, but I think Sue Guevara should have had the uh, should have gotten Coach of the Year this year. You're I'm just sorry. saying that because she congratulated you on your yeah, accomplishments she's, today. She's a damn good coach. She, she's a good coach. I think but you Bonamigo, are too, Coach Bono. Bono's got a cool story, and I think he, he really does. persevered this year. And I, I think he deserves it. Okay. Um, Definitely a cool night last night. Check out our story. We got lots of cool photos, too. Uh, Chris Fowler up there and yeah. wearing his uh, blue jacket, just kind of uh, smiling and accepting yeah. an award. It's pretty pretty cool to see cool. these players off the off the field. Cool weekend for CMU Sports, I thought. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. So we got a lot on cm-life.com. Check out us on Twitter as well, at cmlifesports. That's about all we got today. Um, my name, again, is Taylor DeSormo, here with Andrew Serma for Maroon and Bold. Bold, baby. Bold. Bold. Bold.